Welcome to Gold and Silver Secrets, Things the Government Doesn't Want You to Know. I'm your host, Sabrina Watson, with my co-host, David Smith. Learn more about how you can hold gold and silver at whysoundmoney.com. Good evening, everyone. So tonight, we have a little bit of a two-part piece that we want to share with you. We're going to go a little bit through the history of gold and silver, up to, uh, we're going to show you some super cool coins, talk a little bit about some of the states that are even trying to um, get gold and silver as legal tender, and then we'll take a look at uh, some of the current coins and what they look like and the technology that's available with them, Um, and then we're going to talk about assets versus liabilities. So what do you think, David? Where do you want to start? Well, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got on the show and talking about homes and being uh, how many people look at their house and their home and their property and everything that they have they purchased. And, you know, you hear people say it all the time. This is my biggest asset that I've got. Or this, you know, and I've heard it also. I said this is the biggest purchase that you will ever make in your life on a home and land and things like that because you know the whole terminology okay you go out you buy your home buy your land now you have a 30-year mortgage and the root word of mortgage is a death tax you know it's a death loan basically because 30 years and so you're carrying it out over a 30-year period of time so you're extending a payment on a house and property but the problem is when you buy a home and you buy your property it is viewed as than most people in the world as an asset. And in all actuality, it is a liability. And well, you know, you may be confused about that because you say, well, I'm gonna sell it later down the road and make some money off of this. And the value of my home is gonna increase over time. But as we were discussing before the show a little bit, that's what people don't understand. You go ahead and fire in on your little your part that we were talking about. What what do you see rather than it being an asset? You know, because assets are what you put in your column that increase wealth. So what does a home actually do? Well your home actually decreases because it costs you money. So it decreases your wealth. Now, I know Robert Kiyosaki even also calls your home a liability, not an asset. Right. But here's the one thing that I always ask everybody, and I know I get that we have living expenses regardless of where we choose to live. Mm-hmm. But I want to think about, I want to talk to those people for a minute that are spending big money on a house. Um, and I'm just going to pick a figure out of the air. Let's just say a $300,000 home. Just picking a figure out of the air. So typically, you're going to run right about $3,000 a month home payment, which of course includes taxes, insurance, and other things, but it only includes a little teeny tiny bit of the actual principle of your loan. Now here's my question, here's what I want people to think about when you're trying to consider your house as a home or as an asset. You're making that $3,000 a month payment for potentially 30 years. So it's three thousand a month is thirty-six thousand a year, and if you put another twenty thousand, uh, which is probably conservative in a three hundred thousand dollar home, 
back into the home and maintenance and upkeep every year. Let's just say five years. And then you sell that house at the end of five years for $375,000. Again, I'm just making up the number. So I know people that would say to me, I made $75,000 on your home. Did you really? Yeah, especially if you put the maintenance and upkeep and then you include all the interest rates uh, that you paid towards that loan and any taxes that you paid towards that loan. You know, so if you start adding up how much money owning a home and property takes out, then you will understand that this is not something that creates a income. It actually takes money out of your pocket. That's why it's considered a liability. No, of course, yes, you have to have a place to live. You have to have a home. You want to call a place that's yours. But, you know, in all actuality, even if you have a place that you don't have any payments on it and it's free and clear, not owned by the bank, the state still owns it if you have income, if you have property tax or your county. Basically, you know, you're having to pay rent to the county to live on your property every year. So that's another piece of area that it's dragging money out of your pocket. So, but we talked about having a 1099 business on the last show. We did. If you, yeah, if you create a 1099 business, you in your home get to take the deductions and make deductions upon an office. Maybe you have 150 square foot or 200 square foot that you can deduct out of your taxes towards going going towards your you know your tax deductions. And so that is something that will help take some of that burden off. So, you know, the whole the whole game in the finance to be able to get out of the rat race. And I like the, I like the game board that Robert Kiyosaki created. I bought it from my daughter and, and her husband and they brought it over last weekend and we played it for the first time. I really like it because it actually makes you understand if you want to get out of the rat race, there's certain things that you've got to do to be able to get out of that rat race. And you've got to build up the asset columns that create wealth. You know, so that is the game. You know, we're, you have expenses throughout life. And if you, have, if you don't have enough income coming in to cover those expenses, what are you in? Debt. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The government wants that. The government does not want you out of debt. They want you to stay in debt. They want you continuing borrowing money from the bank. Because if you deposit money, we talked about that last week, you deposit money, if the bank gets to lend out even more money nine times over that. Well, we talked about the two types of uh, tax brackets last week. Right. One tax bracket is the W-2 income employee. And that whole system was designed to drain you of your wealth by the federal government. And we talked about the secondary tax bracket, which is the self-employed person or the business owner. Now, regardless of whether or not uh, you actually hire employees or you hire your children to do some work for you and pay them, which you can do, they can earn up to $1,200 a year. Under the tape or without paying any taxes up to the age of 18. So that's our that is our uh, self employment or business tip for you guys tonight. That would help take some of the heat 
off of that um, liability that your house actually truly is. Right, and also the liabilities and assets columns, whenever you look at the two columns, the, the, the intent is that you build up assets, higher that generate income. And so uh, if you have liabilities like cars, like again, your house, anything that creates outflow of cash. Now, we, we have to work on things that create the asset in the asset column that create income. So if we create the income asset column higher, that is our that is our whole intent. But you know, again, with with our education system, they teach math, but they don't teach how to handle your money. They don't teach how to actually do this. When you have gone through 12, 13, 14 years of school now, just in from pre-K all the way up to 12th grade. I don't understand, you know, you're, the younger you are, the easier it is to learn. And I don't understand why they don't include these systems and get experts in those areas teaching finance, teaching how to handle and teaching how to do asset and liability columns. And, and these, uh, you know, they want you to get out of high school, 14 years of school, and then, oh, now you got to go pay for college to learn how to do this stuff four more years of a business degree or whatever. And even that, they still don't do a very good job of that. That doesn't guarantee you no. a high paying job by any stretch of the imagination. Now, and I don't want to say that, I mean, our teachers are doing the very best that they can in our country for sure. But I do, um, I know people that are going to, that are pulling their kids out of public schools today. Right. And they're not putting them into private schools. And it has nothing to do with COVID. It has to do with the government-run propaganda machine that we call schools. Well, that's so, what I'm saying. That we're not saying that teachers aren't doing their job, but their job is not part of teaching the financial and money and what real money is. That is not part of our education system. So you cannot blame the teachers for that. No. You know, so more parents, more parents and more homes you know, need to learn these kind of things for themselves and teach their kids these things. But um, not many parents even, they're, they've gone through the same public school system and they have, we haven't been raised and I wasn't raised with it, you know. And so it's taken me quite a, a long time to get to where I am now to understand what is really happening. You know, if, if we have books, self-improvement books, get out there and learn this stuff. Get out there and open a book and learn about what is going on. You know, we again, we're talking about assets and liabilities. And when it comes to the fiat currency system that we have, controlled by the Federal Reserve System, when you take fiat currency and, and look at the actual fiat currency, the problem is it is not even an asset because it devalues over time. If you put it in the bank, you lose value on your dollar. So if like we use, again, we use the example of $2,500 in 1965, what it could buy in 2,500 today, what it cannot buy you, it cannot buy you that Mustang today. But the thing is, is the, the real money that we talk about, the gold and silver, the precious metals, which so many people discredit as being as, as worth anything. And they, they go ahead. Well, David, there's something I want to point out that you said when you were talking about fiat currency. 
to everybody that's watching. Not only sitting in your savings account, does it actually lose value while it sits there? It's not earning any interest. And due to inflation, the cost of everything is going up, which in turn genuinely is causing your money to lose value sitting in the educational system. I mean, in, sorry, not the educational system, in the savings. Um, in a, sorry about that. <laughs> I really didn't mean that. I was getting out of myself on thoughts. Um, in addition to that, um, it actually is designed to disintegrate. Literally, physically designed to disintegrate. So if you, you cannot take that fiat currency and bury it under the apple tree outside, because it literally won't be there in 20 we'll years. Again, you know, when we're looking at asset and liability columns, when you take fiat currency and put it in a savings place or anything, if you put it in a bank, you're actually going to lose money there. If you put it in a box and put it in a mattress or wherever and, and do it that way, you'll probably not lose nearly as much because of the value, you know, because of you, you've got a hold of it. But now you're not paying all the bank. To keep it and paying the bank to keep it, you know, have all the fees and everything else. So you you might save a portion just because you're not putting it in the bank, but it's still going to lose value over time. Over time, it's going to rob you because what people don't understand about inflation, inflation is a unseen tax. It is a tax on you. The more you earn, the more you lose because you try to spend all that money on that you have earned, the fiat currency that you have earned, buying groceries. We all know that 10 years ago, that the money, that the dollar does not buy nearly as much as what it used to 10 years ago. We have to fork out more of that currency to pay for groceries. But if you take the an asset in your asset column is gold and silver, precious metals, they say, okay, well, that's the worst investment that you can ever make. If you view gold and silver as an investment, then you're correct. Because it is not an investment. It is insurance. It is a hedge. It keeps up in a linear scale. As inflation goes up, it goes up. Inflation goes up, it goes up. And, you know, in, in 2008, gold was around $800 an ounce. Now we're looking at Gold in 2020, we're looking at gold at $1,700 now. Projected to go even higher, but why is that? Projected to go to 3,000, right? Yeah, they're talking two and 3,000, and then there's some people, you know, there's contradictory articles that are out there saying it may not go up and it may go down. So the whole thing is, but regardless, over time, 50 years ago, and in 1965, it was $30.35. So we're looking at $1,700 today. Well, and we did previously talk about the folks who did have their money when the stock market crashed with this whole COVID thing. Folks who had their money in gold and silver not only held on to the value of their accounts, but they increased. The value right. increased. In some cases, as much as 10%. When we know for a fact that the um, stock market accounts have lost anywhere from 30 to 40 percent now i don't know how that has bounced back because i haven't asked anybody if it has but let's get back to gold and silver as an asset and why we should have it 
but again, the time over the time frame from having from the ownership of gold and silver, you've taken. You have not bought a uh, car. You have not bought a house with it. You know, with the cash. These are not. These are. These are things that with the fiat currency you buy things with it. Okay. If you take fiat currency and exchange it. Okay, I want you to understand this. Listen very closely to me, what I'm saying here. If you exchange it for gold and silver, you have done nothing more than change one form of money to another form of money. Because gold and silver are assets that are considered to be real money. And so it would it would be no different than me going, well, my wife is from the Philippines, no different than me taking US dollars, going to the Philippines and exchanging it for the Philippine peso. And whatever the exchange rate is, right now it's around 50 pesos to $1. So if I take that 50 pesos and $1 and I come back and I exchange the pesos to the dollar, they're going to take their little cut out of it when you exchange for the exchange rate and exchange people that do that. But when you take anywhere, if you take one gold coin, $1,700 in U.S. dollar to buy that one gold coin to exchange it into the gold coin, $1,700, and you carry that to the Philippines, and you go to the Philippines and go to any place that buys gold and silver, that exchange rate, they will compare what the U.S. dollar and the exchange rate of the Philippine dollar is. You could take and get 48, I think it was 84000 84,000, let me see here real quick. 1,700 times 50, it would get, it would give me the, it would give me 85,000 pesos. Have I, I mean, I have, I'm not going over there and using my silk, my, my gold coin to buy anything with. I'm using my gold coin to exchange it to get the fiat currency in the Philippines. And I had someone explain and say to me, nobody in the world has a financial system based upon gold. Well, that, you're right. Nobody does. Nobody's system is backed by gold. But you can still exchange the gold for whatever fiat currency they have. So it, it doesn't make any sense when people balk at, and they balk at owning gold and silver and having it in possession. And they, and they reject it. Whenever you try to explain to them, it's going to save them in their financial future. Because when the fiat currency does crash, when the Federal Reserve finally is revealed as the criminals that they are, and the cartel banking system is taken down, people will have zero in their banks. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire. You will have nothing if you don't have gold and silver to back it up with. Yeah, but they can literally just take it. But I do want to say, like we were talking about... Um your fiat currency losing value and the fact that it will actually disintegrate. I can bury my gold under the apple tree if I want. And it will still be there when I come back in 20 years. So let's yep. talk a little bit about gold and silver. I want to um, I want to educate people a little bit on gold and silver. So in early civilizations, for thousands of years, they worked on a barter system. But as small villages began to grow into larger towns, it became a little inconvenient for them to carry their gold and silver around. And gold is both desirable and rare. It held more value than the silver. 
and it slowly started to be used as an early currency. Later in ancient Greece, it began to be made into standard-sized coins. And I'm going to show some coins, you guys, some older coins and some new coins, because it's really kind of, it is really fun, uh, as well as can be profitable, as well as the fact that it's an asset to collect gold and silver. So, um, like gold, silver is sometimes found as a pure metal, like the silver eagle. And it's also found mixed with other metals. And as people learned to extract them, they found themselves with gold and silver. Now, the silver was less highly priced than gold, but still rare and desirable. So it began to be used as money as well. The first silver coins were made by the Lydians in what's now Turkey in about 700 BC. So later, the Romans developed new ways of mining both gold and silver, which allowed them to produce far more than anyone before them. And they also ruled a huge empire with a highly developed trade network. And at that point in time, barter all but disappeared and a highly organized system of currency emerged. And Roman coins began to spread throughout the world and were accepted almost everywhere. When the Roman Empire finally declined, kingdoms began making their own coins to replace the Roman ones. But gold and silver remained the metals of choice. In approximately 1821, Great Britain adopted the gold standard, and they pegged the worth of their currency to the value of gold. Now coins and the new bank notes didn't usually contain any precious metals and had no real worth of their own, but they were backed by real gold reserves. Other countries moved to this system, and real gold continued to play its part in the shape of coins, like in the English, like the English sovereign, the American gold eagle, and the German gold mark. So other countries adopted silver as the standard, and there were several attempts to link both standards together, to link the two. Both standards worked on the same principle, though. Notes and coins carried a promise that they could be exchanged for a quantity of real metal of equal worth, and we have talked about that for a number of times. And then the gold standard was the basis of the international currency system until the First World War. The British Empire abandoned it at that time in order to get more money. And after 1918, the system never really recovered. Although the USA managed to maintain a modified gold and silver standard until 1971. David, we know what happened in 1971, right? Yeah, August the 15th, 1971, President Nixon decided to to cancel the gold-backed currency the agreement that was made in Brentwood in 1944. And we went on a petrodollar system basically since then. But again, the system is corrupt. Right. It is manipulated and it is corrupted. And we today... Something has to be done, and, and something will be done. We just don't know exactly when. But when that day does come, a lot of people are going to be hurting financially. Well, there were actually many economic reasons to abandon the gold standard. It The number one reason was it restricted the ability of government to influence the money supply yes. or to alter exchange rates. Gold and silver didn't lose their value, though. In fact, in many ways, they became more desirable. But the fact of the matter was is that the government wanted to print money they didn't have. 
Well, they, they do that to finance a lot of wars now. They, yeah. They so pretty much, if, for whatever reason, they want. Yeah, Greece and Rome, if they went to war, they had to have the gold to be able to supply for their war, you know, in their expansions, empire building and everything that they were doing. And it, and it cost them a lot of money, and the real money being gold and silver. You know, Spain, they run around the world, and I was you know, reading some about the Spanish dollar. And so the Spanish dollar, also known as pieces and eight, is a silver coin approximately 38 millimeters in diameter. And worth eight Spanish reals, it was minted in the Spanish Empire following the monetary reform in, in 1497. And the Spanish dollar was wild, widely used by many countries as the first international currency because its uniformity and standard in, in milling con, uh, constriction are characteristics. So, you know, they today, there's a lot of people out there searching the, the bottoms of the ocean for these ships that were transporting yeah. the gold and the silver back and forth, you know, from Spain and all the, you know, Europe and everything come into the Americas to build their empire here in the Americas. And a lot of those ships were lost to sea. And there's a lot of treasures hunter, treasure hunters out there looking. And those gold and silver bullion, that's what they were using. That was their form of money. And yeah. it's still today a form of money for us. And those are still highly prized gold pieces. And there's still a lot of them at the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Uh, who knows actually where. But I want to talk about um, taking us a little bit toward the future now. There are about a dozen states that are actually working on bringing gold and silver back as legal tender. And they're lifting the taxes on gold and silver. So I just want to give people kind of a rundown of what states those are. Feel free to look them up. We have Wyoming, Utah, Arizona, Texas, where you live, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Louisiana, Tennessee, where I am right now, Indiana, West Virginia, and South Carolina. So if you live in any of those states, you guys go ahead and Google that and find out what's going on with gold and silver becoming legal tender in your state. So, and now I want to share with you guys, um, I want to share some early coins just because I think they're cool and I want you to get the opportunity to see them. So, let me, um, okay, it says, Chrome is a bug that caused screen sharing crash on Windows 10. Uh, I don't want to use Firefox, but I can't do that. So, we're going to go ahead and share. Put an application window, Chrome tab. All right. Okay. Can you see that? Okay, David. It's a little small. Okay. How about, how about now? Yep. Yep. That's okay. nice. Yep. So these are just um, some early coins that I just want to share with people. I'm not entirely sure how to use this, so we're going to figure it out. So this is a 7th century coin. Here we have one. Yeah, we had a 600, whoops, took off. I guess it's its own thing. Yeah, it's on play. 
<laughs> okay, I don't know how to make it do that. So we're going to take it there back. A little, I'm going to take it back a little bit. Okay, so here's the 600 BC coin. Can you imagine finding one of these coins? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, I mean, collectability-wise, you probably have something that somebody really would like. If there's not very many of them, you might wind up making a little bit of money on collectability on those. You know, gold and silver weight has certain prices, but when you've got the story and the, and the rarity of those, you never know what somebody's going to pay for those. That's why it's always a good idea to save collectible coins. You know, so yeah. So these, you have to know what you're doing. Yep. If you don't know what you're doing, yes, you can lose money. And there's a lot of people out there that that um, that are really negative about collecting coins. But if you know what you're doing, you can actually make some money with that. Well, and that's part of why we're here is to help everybody get educated yep. on gold and silver, as well as teach you things that the government doesn't want you to know. So this is the coin that's from 560 BC. We've got another one here from 500 BC. Now this is two geese, and this is circa 490. Here we've got, um, let me see if I, I can't quite see that one. That one's BC also. This is a famous trade coin. There's one coming up. I think you'll find really cool. What about that one? The Owl of Athens. Now this is 449. Yeah, we do have one of those coins that was I, I saw in one of our collections not too long ago. We do have that coin as a silver coin in our 7K Metals collection. So, let me, I'm gonna exit this, and I want to be able to show people, um, stop sharing here, and I'm gonna reshare again. I wanna show you guys some of the cool coins that are currently available with 7K. This is a recent, right there. Oh, wait a minute. I need to stop that because I've got to make sure that I'm sharing with sound. So give me a second here. I want to make sure you guys are getting audio because that's half the coolness of watching this. There we go. All right. Are you ready? Can you see that okay? And it is actually... Go ahead and play it and see what happens. There we go. Here we go. Let's talk about bears for a minute. North American grizzly bear, sometimes known as the brown bear, can get up to six and a half feet tall standing on its hind legs. Its claws are the length of a human finger and it can get up to 90 pounds of food in one day. What's crazy is 75% of that food is made up of berries, leaves, and nuts. They do like fish and rodents, and they won't hesitate to take down an elk or moose on the spot. They look all fun and cuddly until you get too close and they claw your face. Pepper spray is definitely recommended while hiking where these guys hang out. This coin is the second in the North American Predator series done by our partners at CIT in 2017. With the low mintage of 500, this two ounce coin has already secured itself as a prize collectible on the market, and it's going for around $200 today. That's if you can find it. The first coin in the series features the sea lion, and if you're lucky enough to get that coin a couple weeks ago, congratulations. This is going to be a perfect addition to help me round out that three-part set. The obverse features Queen Elizabeth II, as well as the country history and the face value, and the reverse gives you an incredibly detailed close-up of the Roaring Grizzly. The high relief on this will leave you absolutely speechless, and the hand-placed around the inlay tooth is an added bonus that is going to make it stand out in the mind of whoever you choose to show it to. 
let's be honest, this coin is just blank cool. Put it on display at your home or at your office with the beautiful wooden box that perfectly houses the coin along with its certificate of authenticity. Oops, let me back that up. Just a tiny bit. I want you guys just to be able to see that picture again one more time. And you see we've got a real ceramic tooth that they put in that coin. And when they're talking about the um, high relief, they're talking about this detail in this coin is raised. And this is a two-ounce coin. This is one of the coins that um, has been available through 7K. I'm going to stop screen sharing that. Well, it's okay. You guys can... Let's see, we'll go like that. We'll put it over there for a minute so you can see us and you can see the coin. So I want to talk for a split second about some of the things that 7K does for us with regard to these coins. So, um, David, let's talk about that. What What are some of the things that 7K does for us with regard to some of these coins? They have a team of specialists that go out and scour the world finding rare coins, and they look at the value of what's on the market and they make deals for us that are below market value so that we have instant market value where we can have a you know we can make it if we decide to sell it we can have an income and we have that we can make money off of that if we decide to sell it later so they've already gone out and now what they're doing is they're finding series that are their collectible series uh, last one was the sea lion this one is the bear and they'll have a number of them. so when you have a collection of a whole series that's something that a lot of people treasure and do and you know when you collect coins and things like this collect things that you like you know, nobody's yeah. forcing you, nobody in the company of our of our 7k nobody's forcing you to buy these coins to do anything to this business if you right. do choose to buy these collectible coins they do have an asset and a value and they have asked 1099 also tax deductible as well the value towards that check with your cpa if you're able to deduct that from your taxes but you are now able to collect something that in time if you have a whole series that you have uh, to other people that are in these areas looking. And if you got two or three of them, well, now you've got something you can mark it up and then you can, can sell it off so somebody can make their collection of 100% of everything that's in that series. It's just like our state coin collection. You have 50 coins that are going to be from the states. And if you have 45, you're going to be looking all over the place for five more of those coins. So, uh you guys, we are not tax professionals and we are not giving you tax advice. What we are telling you, though, is when you are looking at a 7K business, that there is the opportunity for you to make income when you're sharing 7K. There's also an opportunity for you to make income when you have a complete set of coins. Should you need to sell them, there's that opportunity there. We're also telling you that there is the possibility that some of these coins, in fact, many of them, may actually be a tax write-off for you because you do have to have a product that you can show people in order to share the program. So um, I think, uh, David, did you have anything else tonight? We're a little over time. Yeah, and not not worried about the little bit of overtime. You know, next week, I guess we could talk about a little bit of, uh, you know, stocks or we can just share with it. I'm talking about it now is, you know, a lot of people are, get, are jumping in the stock market and, you know, that's okay. That's fine. And people do make money that way. 
but whenever you jump in the stock market, let me under you let you if you put your all your eggs in one basket into the stock market, you can make money, but you are some, it is a very some, risky some people make money. Yeah, yeah. Some people. And I love and that. I'm I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out because let me tie that in. Some people make good money on the stock market, but the majority of the people they lose a lot of money in it because they don't know exactly what they're doing and how to do it. And the thing well, is, even, is even beyond that, the buildings yeah. of Wall Street were not built on people right. who are losing money. Right. So you know, you put your money in the stocks and you make some gains and you do some day trading and things like that. Yeah, you might be able to do some good sometime. But again, it's very, very, very risky. I'm all emphasize very risky. But when you put your asset, when you take your fiat currency and you buy silver and gold, and you put that away and save that, you have no risk. You have no risk whatsoever. Now, somebody come in and try to steal it from you, okay? If you want to include that, but you have no risk as long as you own that for that to go to zero you lose everything you have. Yeah, that's not ever going to happen. We don't want to put all our eggs in one basket, especially as as Tony Hubbard, my good friend, says, especially if you don't own the basket. That's right, especially if you don't own the basket. Okay, uh, so also next week, uh, we have gotten permission from uh, Miles Standish, Michael Miles Standish, who is the vice president of NGC. Uh, anybody who knows anything about coins would know who that is, and we've gotten permission from him to use some of his training on coins. So we're going to be bringing that to you guys soon as well. Um, yes. Until next Friday night, David, tell everybody where they can find you before we go. Well, they can go to my website, as you can see there, sevenkbetels.com forward slash dome builder one, and you can find me probably all over Facebook and. and LinkedIn and I'm, I'm there as well and so you if you're interested in knowing some more about gold and silver or interested in about starting your own business look me up and I do have a new training uh, available on wisesoundmoney.com you can also find me on Facebook at wisesoundmoney.com until next time that's gold and silver secrets things the government doesn't want you to know I'm your host, Sabrina Watson, with my co-host, David Smith. Learn more about how anyone can own gold and silver at wisesoundmoney.com.